The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Here ends the reading of the word. Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. The third woman to be mentioned in Matthew's genealogy is this character by the name of Ruth. Her story of faithfulness and romance is one of the most inspiring stories in the Scripture that really is better than any of the Hallmark movies and all of them combined. Sorry, guys, that I had to mention it, but it is true. This morning I want to invite you to take a look with me at this character named Ruth because I think as we do so, it will inspire us in many ways that will be so positive for ourselves and those around us. In the short four-chapter book that carries Ruth's name, there is this opening line that gives a time stamp to when Ruth's story takes place. It says this, In the days when the judges ruled. Now, the intention of the author of Ruth is more than just telling you when Ruth lived, but the author sets this up so as to contrast Ruth's life to the majority of the people who were living in Israel, the majority of the Jews. You see, the judges' era was this time after the Hebrews from Egypt had entered into the promised land and had started the conquest. And then for a 400-year period of time, there had been these leaders that rose up in times of need called judges. By the end of this period of time, things had really gotten very poor in Israel because things had deteriorated morally, spiritually, and politically. As a matter of fact, that period of time, we find some words that describe just how bad things were. The author writes in Judges, There was no king, and everyone did right in his or her own eyes. There was no central authority, and everyone became a law unto themselves, and basically everyone was doing what he or she wanted to do, doing right in their own eyes, an egocentric culture and society. I believe the words that ends the book of Judges are words that could easily be used of our setting today because we are living in this same sort of time where everyone seems to do right in their own eyes. We are living in an I or me culture from choosing one's sexual identity to doing what one wants to do on an hourly basis, we seem to be living at this period of time of the pinnacle of doing what's right in my own eyes. 
It seems that during the COVID season that hopefully we're coming out of and we'll be able to put behind us, that that accelerated this I culture that we are a part of. And we can see it in nearly every level of our society. If you're in business and you try to hire someone, or if you attend a church and see how the participation of church has changed since culture has happened, we just seem to be living in this I-centered culture. But when we look at the, the character of Ruth, we see a person who lived differently in that culture then. During the story of Ruth, a man by the name of Elimelech, who was from Bethlehem in Judah, moved to Moab because there was a famine in the land. Moab is directly east of the Dead Sea. It's in a plateau area. And they get more rain there. And so in general, farming is better in Moab, particularly when it's real dry in Israel. And so Elimelech went with his wife, Naomi, their two sons, where they thought they could survive during the famine. And indeed, life was okay in that land. Now understand that in Moab, the Moabites who lived in Moab had kind of a, a, an ongoing hostility between the folks who were Jewish. So it was really a kind of a risk for Elimelech to go and live in this foreign land. So they lived there for a while, and tragedy struck. Elimelech died, leaving Naomi as a widow. Now in that day and culture, a woman who was widowed faced difficult times because there were really no or few opportunities for her to work and to take care of herself, and there were no social programs to help manage and take care of the widows in the land. Fortunately, for Naomi's sake, she had two young adult sons who could work and provide for her and for them. Those two young adult sons, while living in Moab, they got married to two Moabite women. And so they lived for about a decade, and life was pretty good. But then tragedy struck again. Both of Naomi's sons died, leaving not only Naomi without sons to support her, but left her two daughter-in-laws as widows. They were in a desperate situation. Naomi heard that things back home in Bethlehem had improved. The famine was over. There was enough for everybody. And so she decided to go home. After all, she did own property in Bethlehem and she had family there. She told her two daughter-in-laws, and they were determined to go with her. After Naomi talked with them a bit, one of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah, decided that she would go back to her family in Moab. But Ruth could not be driven away from Naomi, her mother-in-law. And the Scripture records these beautiful words that you've probably used. You've probably heard them read at a wedding at some point if you've attended a few weddings. 
And these are the words that Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your enemies shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. You can hear from Ruth's words that she was determined to stay with and take care of her mother-in-law. What a contrast. This character, Ruth, this woman, a woman of foreign descent, a group of people that most Jews didn't really care about at all, becomes the model of faithfulness. She was determined to be faithful to her mother-in-law and her mother-in-law's God. What a witness. Our generation today is in need of people who will be faithful to God and to others. Ruth was willing to sacrifice. We need people today who will be faithful and be willing to sacrifice even when it means putting what I want, what I desire on hold or maybe pushing it out of the picture altogether for the sake of others. This is a reorientation of our thinking in our eye culture. When Naomi and Ruth arrived in Jerusalem, the women of the community greeted Naomi. They remembered Naomi, of course, because a decade, a little bit more than a decade earlier, she had lived there in Bethlehem. They knew her, and they came to her, and they, they were rejoicing that she was home. But Ruth, I mean, Naomi was not in a great mood. She said to them, you can't call me Naomi any longer. You have to call me Mara. The word Mara in Hebrew means bitter. She was on the verge because of the tragedies that had struck in her life of becoming a bitter old woman. If you have ever experienced loss in your life, if you've ever experienced disappointment, maybe sometime disappointment piled on top of disappointment, if your expectations haven't been met, you probably know that seed of bitterness. And is there any kind of herbicide that can retard the growth of bitterness in our lives? When Naomi and Ruth settled in their old home, things quickly turned difficult. Even though Naomi owned land that could be farmed, she didn't have the resources necessary to farm the land. You know, you've got to buy seeds, you've got to have equipment, you have to have people to work. In that day and time, agriculture was a labor-intensive effort. She had nothing except the property. That meant that Naomi and Ruth were forced to live in poverty. In that day, one of the ways that poor people survived was in, a, in something called gleaning. When a farmer would plant a field and when it came time for harvest, the, the, the law and culture required that the farmer would not 
cut and harvest everything on his field, but leave the corners, anything that was left behind by the harvesters on the ground, the poor could come along and harvest on the corners and could pick up whatever the harvesters left behind. At the time of the barley harvest, which happened in March, Ruth said to her mother-in-law, I'm going to go out. I know, I'm, I'm more able than you, and I'm going to go out and glean. That job was typically a job for slaves. You get the picture? Ruth is at the bottom of everything. Because of her faithfulness, she had to sacrifice. Because of her faithfulness, she was living in poverty. Because of her faithfulness, she was forcing herself to go out and work in hard labor in the hot sun just so that she and Naomi could survive. Living lives of faithfulness oftentimes lead us to places that are not glamorous, that aren't popular. They lead us to places where we sometimes have to do things that we really don't want to do. But Ruth was faithful. So as the barley harvest began, she went out into the field and she began working. And she worked hard from morning till the afternoon. And during the afternoon, the owner of that field came to check on things to see how things were going. It was just so happened that the owner of this field was a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz happened to be a relative of Elimelech, Ruth's deceased father-in-law. Now, this is the twist in the story. Don't you love the twist in the story? So, Boaz, as a relative, was a part of a system that said, if there was a family who the husband, and the husband died, leaving no heirs, no one to take care of his wife. It was the responsibility of the nearest of kin, male, to marry that woman, to take care of her, also raise up a child by that woman, so as to be an heir so that the deceased name would continue. Boaz was one of the kinfolk of Elimelech. Boaz noticed this woman who was working in the field, and she didn't look familiar. He knew who his servants were, but he didn't recognize her. So he asked the supervisor, and the supervisor told him that it was Ruth who had come back to Bethlehem with Naomi. And Boaz went to talk with Ruth, and he said, I know your story. And I want you to work here in this field. Don't go anyplace else. I've told my, my servants to take care of you. If you want to drink from the same water they drink from, you can. Just hang out with the, with the women here. Do your thing and, 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 and do this. Because you have done a wonderful thing for Naomi. The witness of faithfulness speaks loudly and is known. We live in a culture where it's an upfront culture oftentimes. The person that makes the most noise, the person that's on the most screens, the person that has the charismatic personality. But faithfulness speaks loudly 
and transforms lives. So Ruth gleaned in Boaz's field. Two months went on, and she worked the whole time in his fields. And then the wheat harvest came, and two and a half months had passed, and and Naomi realized that she had to do something to take care of herself and to take care of her daughter-in-law. And so she decided that she would sell part of the land that she owned. Now, under that culture, it was the role of the nearest of kin, the kinsman redeemer, to purchase property of a deceased person in the situation they were facing. But Naomi also had another plot. She thought there might be a spark between Boaz and Ruth. Isn't it interesting that we find a matchmaker in the Bible? Mm, matchmaker.com in the book of Ruth. So she said to Ruth, she said, Ruth, said Boaz this evening will be there in the winnowing place. That's where you separate basically the grain from the stalk and, and the stuff that's around the grain. And said, he'll be there. And said, after he eats, he'll lay down for the night and he'll sleep there. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a bath, put on your best clothes, put on the sweetest smelling perfume you have, and go at night and watch where he lays down. And when he lays down, then after he's asleep, go over to him. And then you'll know what to do. Now, this was risky. First of all, women weren't supposed to be in that location at night while the men were sleeping. Boaz could equally, easily could have said to Ruth, Get out of here. What are you doing here, woman? People could have seen her and started rumor about that she was a bad woman. But she took her mother-in-law's advice. And after Boaz had laid down, she stealthily went to where he was lying. After he had fallen asleep, she uncovered his feet and lay at his feet. An hour or so passed, and he awoke. He was startled, realized that somebody was at his feet. And he said, who is it? And she said, it is Ruth. Spread your blanket over your servant, for you are my kinsman redeemer. Gosh, what an act of courage. Faithfulness requires courage. Extraordinary courage. And Boaz, being a good man, responded, Ruth, I haven't found such grace shown to me by any. He said, lay down here at my feet. Get up early in the morning and go back home, and I'll take care of things. You see, it just so happened that Boaz was not the nearest of kin. There was another man who was nearer in kin. So Boaz went to the city gate, the place where all business was taken care of, and he waited for his cousin to arrive who was the nearest of kin. And when the cousin came, he said, Cuz, you may have heard that Naomi has come home and she's getting ready to sell some of Elimelech's property. Do you want to buy it? And he said, Sure, that's good property. That's good farmland. And then he said, You know, if you buy the property, if you buy the property, you must marry Ruth. And the guy thought, Marry a Moabite? 
that could endanger my state. That could endanger my family. And so he said, no, Boaz, you do what you want to do. I'm backing out of this deal. And so Boaz married Ruth. He married Ruth. She conceived and bore a son. She placed that child in her mother-in-law's arms, in Naomi's arms. The women of the community saw this baby in Naomi's arms, and they came to her, and they said, Naomi, your daughter-in-law is better than seven sons. And Naomi was filled with joy. Faithfulness has the power. Faithfulness has the power to stop bitterness in its tracks in the lives of others. Dare we be like Ruth? Dare we be faithful people, faithful to God, faithful to our families, faithful to one another? Faithfulness changes the world. Let's pray. Father, today we are grateful for your faithfulness. And Father, let us experience your faithfulness. And in our hearts, proclaim great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, let your faithfulness become who we are. And may we too be people like Ruth. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to invite those assisting in communion to come.